Bibles this afternoon. We're going to be looking at a little bit more uh, topical uh, area the next uh, several weeks. Uh, uh, I thought about uh, continuing on with numbers in the afternoon, but uh, uh, sometimes numbers can get kind of long. And uh, I made a, a resolve to be shorter in the Sunday afternoons, okay? So we're going to talk about resolves for the new year. And uh, many times we think of the new year making resolutions. And uh, many times people say, well, I don't want to make a revolution, res- resolution because I'll just break it in a couple of days. You know, I'll go on a diet and be on a diet for three days. And then I'll say, well, fooey, uh, forget it. I'll try again next year. Uh, but, uh, you know, there's, uh, I want to take some time here at the beginning uh, of the year though, to let the Lord challenge our hearts through his word and look at, uh, first of all, four particular areas. We're not going to look at all four of them today. We're just going to look at one. But four areas uh, that would help us to honor the Lord as a church in the year ahead of us. And so over the next several weeks, we'll be looking at one of them each week and then also remind ourselves of of the, the goals and the um, uh, objectives. If you uh, weren't here last Sunday evening, uh, we talked about some goals and some objectives, and there are some bookmarkers still left on the uh, table back there where the bulletins are uh, to help us keep before us uh, these these goals and objectives that we uh, would have, and we're going to be talking about those more in detail along the way here. Uh, but uh, And we'll be uh, spending some time in those uh, those areas, but I think even what I'm talking about today and the next few weeks will uh, help us to achieve goals and objectives. I think it's good to have goal, right? Uh, I know that some of you guys that play basketball uh, would rather have a goal than not have a goal, right? Uh, just to dribble around and pass the ball around, that's no fun. But uh, have, having a goal. And uh, uh, someone also said, if you aim at nothing, well, uh, you're not going to hit anything. You'll hit nothing. And so we need to have something to aim at, some, some goal, some objective. And I think these are things that uh, God has led me to bring before the church to uh, be some goals and objectives uh, that we need uh, here at Spooner Baptist Church. But uh, I want to look at these four areas to begin with. And the first one is going to be revival, that we would see the Lord stir a flame of spiritual revival in our church. Now, that doesn't just happen in a revival meeting. I do plan to have two revival meetings this year. Uh, one will be in uh, late April, early May, or actually early May, the first week in May. And the other one will be in September. Uh, uh, Gary Gilmore uh, said he could come in, in May. He had an opening. And he, we tried to have him a few years ago. And, uh, and then his wife got sick, and in the meantime, she's passed away, and she's with the Lord. And but he's keen, continued on, and he's got a full preaching schedule. And he had a had an opening there, and I said, "Well, why don't you come to Spooner uh, that week, and uh, uh, we uh, would like to to hear from you. Uh, actually, we'd like to hear from the Lord, and he's one of God's choice servants to give the word of God. So uh, we want to see the Lord." give us spiritual revival, but it's not going to happen just during a, a week of revival meetings. It needs to be something we look forward all year long. 
And uh, so we'll talk about that today. But we're going to talk about renewal, a a passion for holiness and sanctification. Uh, If you'll join us on Wednesday nights, we're we're, we're working on a sanctification study. Uh, and we looked at the first uh, one this last Wednesday. Uh, those That's kind of uh, in mind with what we're talking about here. But we'll talk about this more in detail, uh, the Lord willing, next week. And then a reaching. A reaching of the unsaved by sharing the gospel and showing them the love and compassion of Christ. That's what we ought to be doing every day. And we ought to be praying that God would give us some some uh, some folks to reach and, for Christ. And then Restoration. Ministering the grace of Christ to others uh, and uh, bearing one another's burdens, as it says in Galatians uh, chapter 1. But this afternoon, we will look at revival first. And so I invite you to take your Bibles and turn to Isaiah uh, chapter 64. Isaiah chapter chapter 64. Now, that's one of those major prophets, remember? Uh, Isaiah, and we're going to look at uh, chapter 64. Uh, as we uh, look at uh, revival. I think our homes need revival. Our churches in America need revival. Our church needs revival. Uh, Our nation, the world, needs revival, but no military power can bring revival. No economic upturn can bring revival. No election can bring revival. But revival is a sovereign work of an almighty God. And in Isaiah 64, God's people had been carried into captivity. His work was in disrepair. Uh, His people were dispirited, much like believers are today. Churches uh, have been carried into captivity today by the world, the flesh, and the devil. Uh, Christians uh, are discouraged. Uh, Many have no hope for revival. They don't even believe that revival is possible. But I want to tell you that revival is not only possible, but it is inevitable when God's people get right with God. Now, why is there no revival? Well, listen carefully. It's not because of liberalism in churches. It's not because of disunity among God's people. uh, Or it's not because we've been worldly and have compromised. Listen, if we get all these matters changed there still will not be revival. There, uh, these are not rev- reasons for no revival. Uh, they are the results of no re- revival. The fact that there isn't revival brings liberalism into churches, brings disunity, brings uh, worldliness and compromise. But those aren't the reasons for no revival. So what is revival? Well, revival is when God comes down. In Isaiah 64, verse 1, it says, Oh, that thou wouldst rend the heavens, and thou wouldst come down, that the mountains might flow down at thy presence. Revival is a meeting with Almighty God. Most of us seek God to do something for our church, for our family, for our nation, but we're seeking God's hand and not his face. Our heart needs to yearn for God. We should be saying, Oh God, wouldst thou come down? God loves to come down. He came down when the Lord stepped out of heaven to save us. At Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came down, empowered the infant church that with wonderful power. And Jesus is coming down again someday. 
And if you study the record of the churches in modern history, you'll find from time to time in a place to place that God has come down. And I want God to come down to this church. Many of us don't believe this is possible. Now, don't get the idea that our church has to be changed before we get revival. We can have revival. You and I can have personal revival. You and I can have revival in our Sunday school classes. You and I can have revival in our families. You and I can have revival whenever and wherever. And you and I can be a one-person revival. So notice, first of all, the presence that produces revival. It's God himself. The presence that produces revival is God himself. When God comes down, things will happen. Now, I want you to notice here from Isaiah 64 uh, what we're talking about. It says here in uh, verse 1, Oh, that thou wouldst send the heavens, and thou wouldst come down, that the mountains might flow down at thy presence, as when the melting fire burneth, the fire causeth the waters to boil, to make thy name known to thine adversaries, that the nations may tremble at thy presence." That the mountains might flow down at thy presence. Now, what kind of mountains could this be? Well, it could be mountains of pride. could be mountains of bigotry. could be mountains of indifference. These are all obstacles to God's work. And it says here, they will melt away when God comes down. Nothing can stop the revival fire of Almighty God. Don't insult God by saying, well, there's too many mountains. There's too many obstacles. It can't be done. Because when he comes down, mountains will melt. Secondly, sinners will shake. Sinners will shake. In verse 3, it says, When thou didst terrible things which we looked not for, thou camest down, the mountains flowed down at thy presence. When the lost see something they can't explain, Holy Spirit conviction falls and sinners begin to shake. Now, I'm not talking about a physical, you know, everybody going to start shaking and rolling in the aisles and all that kind of That's not what I'm talking about, okay? Don't get concerned about preachers become Pentecostal. No. But you know what? If we have revival in America, the late night comedians are not going to make fun and mock the holy things of Almighty God anymore. The lasciviousness will shake in the presence of God. The unsaved will cry out for mercy. Thirdly, the righteous will rejoice. Verse 4. And since the beginning of the world, world, men have not heard nor perceived by the ear, neither hath I seen, O God, beside thee, what he hath prepared for him that waiteth for him. Thou meetest him that rejoiceth and worketh righteousness, those that remember thee in thy ways. God wants to meet with you. God wants to come down. And when he comes, church is not going to be a boring to you anymore. God's people will have joy unspeakable and full of glory. The righteous will rejoice. I long to see that. I hope you do. I want my children and my grandchildren to see that. I want God to meet with his people so they'll know this incredible joy. So what is it that stands in the way of this outpouring from God? 
Well, we need to look at the problems that prevent revival. And we can say it in two words, our sin. First of all, we're corrupted by our sins. Verse 6, And we all, as an unclean thing, in all our righteousnesses, are as filthy rags, and we all do fade as a leaf, and our iniquities, like the wind, have taken us away. You know, we dress in self-righteousness, we come to church, we look around in haughtiness and pride, we try to cover ourselves with the very thing that defiles and condemns us, and our righteousness, should say, quote, righteousness, is a filthy rag in God's sight. And we do all fade as a leaf, as it says here. Now, we don't have too many leaves to worry about right now because it's in the dead of winter. But you know, when the leaves begin to turn yellow and brown, they fade and they fall. On the trees, they're looking good. But the wind comes, and then they're on the ground. And so often I've seen people dressed in the rags of self-righteousness, and they look pretty good. But then the wind blows, and let them have some family problems or some financial reversals or some difficulty, and they get blown away. We're corrupted by our sins. Secondly, we become complacent in our sins. Verse 7, And there is none that calleth upon thy name that stirreth up himself to take hold of thee. I wonder, have you stirred yourself up to take hold of God? Or are you just simply a Sunday bench warmer? Believing you've done God a favor by coming. Is there a yearning? Is there a burning? Is there a longing for revival in your heart? If not, you need to ask God for one. Before you can even ask for revival, you have to ask God to give me the desire for revival. Give me a yearning and a burning for revival in my heart. If we do, God will send revival. I think it was uh, R.A. Torrey, I think, that that said this. He said, uh, I have a theory. And he said that there is not a church, chapel, or mission on earth where you cannot have revival, provided there's a little nucleus of faithful people who will hold on to God until he comes down. First, let a few Christians, there need not be many, get thoroughly right with God themselves. This is the prime essential. If this is not done, the rest, I'm sorry to say, cannot be done, and it will come to nothing. Second, he says, let them bind themselves together to pray for revival until God opens the heavens and comes down. Third, let them put themselves at the disposal of God to use them as he sees fit in winning others to Christ. And that's all. This is sure to bring revival in any church or community. And I have given this prescription around the world and has taken by many churches and many communities and in no instance has ever failed. It cannot fail. Let few Christians get right with God. Let them bind themselves together for prayer, for revival, and let them put themselves at disposal for God to win people to Christ as he sees fit. You'll have revival, he says. Get right with God. 
Band together and pray. Put yourself at God's disposal. That's the message of Isaiah 64. You say, well, that's, that's kind of simple, isn't it? Maybe that's too simple. Well, it is simple. The problem is Christians are complacent. And there is none who stirs himself up, as we read there. Listen, do what Dr. Torrey says and get right with God. And if we don't, one day we'll wish we had. Thirdly, we are consumed by our sins. Again, in verse 7, it says, For thou hast hid thy face from us and hast consumed us because of our iniquities. Our sins are eating us alive. God turns his face away from us. Uh, We have no protection. Uh, We may even sing, God bless America, but it's hollow because God has taken down his hedge of protection. We're consumed by our sins. That's the problem that prevents revival. But notice, thirdly, the prospect. The prospect of having revival, and that has to do with our prayers. How can we have revival? How do we seek God's face? Well, the prayer that precedes revival will, first of all, recognize God's sovereignty. Verse 8. But now, O Lord, thou art our father, we are the clay, and thou art the potter, and we all are the work of thy hand. You see, we must believe that God is God. We need to recognize the sovereignty of God. God doesn't want a place in your life. He doesn't want prominence in your life. He demands and deserves preeminence. There's a difference between a place and prominence and preeminence. Lord, thou art sovereign. I'm the clay. Mold me and make me after thy will. Thou art my king. Thirdly, or secondly, we need to remember God's mercy as we pray. Verse 9, Be not wroth very sore, O Lord, neither remember iniquity forever. Behold, we say, we see, we beseech thee, we are all thy people. We need to pray, O God, have mercy upon me. Don't keep your anger forever. Lord, we need you. We want you. We must have you. And God wants to extend mercy. Uh, He had much better for, uh, rather forgive sin than punish sin. But God cannot put away our sin by forgiving it unless we put it away by forsaking it. The problem is so often we're not willing to repent. We want God's mercy. Oh, God, be merciful. I'm a sinner, but I still kind of like my sin. But prayer without repentance is a religious farce. It's a smokescreen. Remember God's mercy, and then thirdly, respect God's glory. In verses 10 through 12, Isaiah says, Thy cities are a wilderness, Zion is a wilderness, Jerusalem a desolation. Our holy and beautiful house where our fathers praise thee is burned up with fire, and all our pleasant things are laid waste. Wilt thou refrain thyself for these things, O Lord? Wilt thou hold thy peace and afflict us very sore? 
You see, this is revival. When God comes down, maybe you haven't been willing to stir yourself up. Maybe you have been dressed in your rags of self-righteousness and satisfied where you are. Maybe you're a dying leaf and don't even know it. But if you seek God, he's waiting. Maybe even leaning over the battlements of heaven. Those people down there want revival. I don't think we need to persuade God to send revival. We just need to permit him to give us revival. How do we do that? Do you want to see God's glory? Do you really want revival? If we want it, we're going to seek his presence. Come down. We're going to deal with the problems that prevent it. And we're going to realize there's a great hope and prospect for revival as we pray, believing God in his sovereignty, his mercy, and his glory. Father in heaven, we thank you for...